Typically Hazardous, welcome to this episode. I'm excited to have you here with us because I want you to hear this conversation that I had with a gentleman named Mike Foster. He started an organization and wrote a book called People of the Second Chance. And in this podcast, we have a great discussion about rescuing people, about meeting people in the midst of their madness and their pain and their meltdowns, about what it's like to hit bottom, how people get up from bottom, and what it's like to be alongside people as they rebuild their life. This is a great conversation about what it's like to support people in their pain and what it's like to figure out how to live with your pain and push through that stuff. So this is a great conversation. I really like Mike. I'd never met Mike in person. And what you're about to hear is a conversation I had with Mike. The only time that we have hung out is while these microphones were running. So you are hearing our conversation. We had one hour together, and that one hour together was this conversation at a coffee shop in West Hollywood, California. So I want you to check this out. I can't wait for you to hear this. A couple of things before that gets started that I need you to know about, and I should have been telling you about this, but it's crazy. I'm currently on tour with Demi Lovato and Nick Jonas with a thing called Cast On Tour, which you can find out about. But part of the reason that I'm all over the place, and if you look at my socials, I'm in a different city every morning and on a tour bus and whatnot. Um, but we're coming to a city somewhere near you. So if you are in a city that Demi and Nick are coming to through Future Now Tour, please tweet me and whatnot, and I'll get you information so that you can come to our cast on tour event because it's a really cool event that's happening in every city that I'm helping manage. And you can check that out or look at hashtag cast on tour. So that's number one. Uh, number two, August 8th. That is like uh, Monday. So if you're listening to this on a Friday, hey, it's in like 72 hours. August 8th, we are doing a live podcast recording at the Bootleg Theater in Los Angeles. So check it out. Come, come to the Bootleg Theater in Los Angeles. You can find out more information on my socials. And uh, we're going to do a live podcast about this idea that is really messing with me. And it's working. And it's working in my life. And I can't wait to tell you about it. And and I'm going to try something really, really unique. Usually I have like artists and painters and that kind of stuff. This is going to be a really bare bones spot where it's just you and me. And I'm going to try something really, really new with you and me. You are the art piece. You are the poet. You are the person. And I'm going to have some interactivities there that are going to be risky and we'll see what happens. So uh, that's what I'm telling you about is August 8th, Future Now Tour and now Mike Foster. Please enjoy our conversation at the Verve Cafe in West Hollywood, California. Listen in to Mr. Mike Foster. You ever wonder what your life would be like? What will you wish you would have done? Get after it already. What's life without a little adventure? We get one chance. Best live a big life. The exploration of the unknown. A hope for something more. This behavior can be classified as typically hazardous. I call it an adventure. Welcome. Let's get started, shall we? So we are sitting here in West Hollywood, California. We are across from O Fudge. We are uh, at Verve Coffee Shop on Melrose Place. It's not really Melrose Place, but it <laughs> feels like it has to be. And I'm sitting here with Mr. Mike Foster, the best teeth on Instagram. Hey. And he's got this cool shirt on, which you'll see in a picture of like, of like, you know, you San Diego guys are always so stylish and always feel like you're wow. ready to surf. I think I paid $10 for this shirt, but it had little glasses, like black rim glasses on it yeah. that I wear. So I'm like, hey, that works for me. It does work. It matches so. every, every day. <laughs> you can wear that. Uh, Mike, thank you for being here. We've Thanks, only Hank. been friends on Instagram. I know. And this is our first time meeting in person. And because of time frames, we actually don't have time to like hang out and prep and chill and then do a podcast. So we, you, you, as our typically hazardous listeners, are going to hear Mike and I hang out for the first time. And you're going to find out things as I find them out in real time. So it's it. going to be great. I love it. And we're just going to make a commitment to do more hang time Yes. at another at another time. Now, it, is this a real commitment or like an L.A. commitment where it's no, like, no. bro, we should totally. And you're like, yeah. No one thinks and Then six years AI, later, you're like, we've no. never done lunch. No, because yeah. it's weird. Like, I, I'm trying to just be a lot more honest with people. Cool. I feel like honesty is a really good thing and probably something that's fairly scarce in our society so i'm like you now if i say it i only want to say things that are true and whether that's 
hard things to say or actually yeah, really right. positive things to say. Like I do. I like Hank. I want to get together. I'm, I'm saddened that our time is so short together, but we can remedy that by making a commitment to Done. do this again. Well, I will be in San Diego yeah. with Demi and Nick on the Future Now tour in which I just told everybody all the typically hazardous listeners like that I'm going on tour with yeah, Demi Lovato, which is awesome. Uh, it's super fun, and I'm doing that. Uh, we're going to be there in August, so we'll we'll, cool, we'll make we, some time. I'm like literally five minutes off the five freeway. Perfect. Which there's no excuse. We got to get this done. Make it happen. Plane. But I got to get in that ocean. You know, we'll get in the ocean. It's cold. Okay, I bet. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for being here, Mike. Tell us who you are and what you do so that uh, the people listening care about the next things we talk about. Yeah, so um, that's always kind of a hard question to answer, honestly, for me, because I, I think, you know, first off, I'm a dad, I'm a husband. Yes. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a very, very, oh, very Oh, you're so good. Guy. You went to, like, the human, I am not defined by what I do. It's so, there's something so pure and well, true about that. <laughs> I think that, I think that. Most people on a podcast would be like, well, in 1991, I sold the first, yeah, yeah whatever. I, I'll tell you pretty much my entire life I've, I've been so insecure about what I actually do in terms of vocational work or mm. I feel have sort of fought this whole thing like it doesn't really matter it's really not that important and so for me it's like the thing that I'm probably most comfortable with is just being a dad being a husband being a friend of people awesome. um, so I kind of start there because I think that's that feels really natural. Yeah. I think the unnatural part of me is to talk about sort of the, the organizations and things that I've, that I lead or yep. books that I've written or things of that nature. So, so the personal human side is, you know, what I just said, I think the, the less, um, probably less important part of who I am is I lead an organization called people of the second chance. And, um, we just are this, uh, this nonprofit organization that is trying to stir up, grace and hope in people's lives and so kind of our our catchphrase is that we make stuff for not so perfect people and so we, I write curriculum I um, train leaders I I speak travel I mean it's just kind of supporting all of the different avenues of that organization cool how big is it in terms of like staff, how many staff people? Yeah, uh, like what? I think we got about seven staff people. Okay, cool. By the way, all of their staff is in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I'm the only one who's in San Diego. Oh wow! Okay. So I'm kind of this island, but it's actually good. I, the guy who actually does the real work of of the organization probably likes having me in San Diego. Yeah, for sure. It's like I'd be like, um, Mike, it's cutting out. I, I don't think yeah, we do that. Yeah. It's like, hey, Mike, um, that's a. I, I know you're really passionate about that, yeah, but that right. will just totally tank the organization yeah, if totally. we executed that idea. Totally. So it actually works really well, and I have That's such great. a great team. And you guys, how long have you been uh, around People of Second Chance? Gosh. Uh, Which, by the way, you have the coolest T-shirts. Oh, It kills sorry. me. You and a Jamie <laughs> from To Write Love. It's Jamie's like, got way better what T-shirts. What nonprofits come up with the most gnarly T-shirts are so good? So your people, the one that looks like a flag. Yes. It's so good. Yes. It's just a delicious T-shirt. Well, you know, design and aesthetic is really important to me, I think, mm-hmm. Uh you know, the idea of art and the way things look is so critical. And mostly about, it's not that it's all about the design or the aesthetic, but it's about kind of removing some of the barriers of connecting with people. For sure. And so like, you know, our t-shirts or our, our books, our, our, our experiences that we try to create for people are very much interested in the design piece. And I think the name itself, like People of Second Chance, sounds sort of like a cult and so yeah, it's sort of provocative sure. and, and there's this sense of like, well, what is that? Yeah, right. And I think all of us need a second chance. All of us are sort of provoked to kind of wonder what that looks like and what that's all about. So kind of good design, maybe a decent name <laughs> coming together. It, yeah, we definitely cool. get people. And that's in. what you guys mostly do. You create content. That is that, would that be your, do you have like, I don't know, is there a 1-800, I need a second chance? Yeah. Do you, what do I do if I need a second chance? How do I access you and your organization? So a big part of kind of how we do what we do is we, we're a big believer in empowering other people to be heart healers of cool. the world. And so it's not about you coming to me to get you know help or coming to our organization to get help. We actually want to empower you to be kind of the light and the healer and cool. the, the listener in your context, wherever that might be. So the tools are really community tools. They're group tools. They're about empowerment tools to help you be better at um, helping the hurting people of the world. Cool. Awesome. Okay, so you've got uh, this book, People of the Second Chance, with this yeah. really cool graphic on the front, and I absolutely love it. Uh, what Thank do you, you want to accomplish with this book? Assuming people read it, and everyone yeah. here is going to go to MikeFoster.com. 
You have MikeFoster.com, right? I, I is have MikeFoster.tv. Oh, no. Oh, that's okay. lame. Yeah, you, gotta, you really got to either. Yeah. You should buy a Michael, maybe. Yeah, you know? I, I should try that. MikeFoster.com. No, MikeFoster.tv. Or SecondChance.org. Or SecondChance.org. Is, is the book will be there, or Amazon, or any. September any 20th is the release date. Tell yeah. us what uh, you hope to accomplish with this book. Well, I think, so th what's funny about this, I've been, you mentioned created a lot of content and stuff over the, the years. This is my very first book book. Oh, okay. Which is kind of crazy. The other ones aren't, about. don't count? The other ones, you know, it's curriculum or workbooks okay. or I've co-authored things. But like this is the first one. So like I literally wrote this book saying this may be my last and only book. And it, I just wanted to say everything I wanted to say about the life I want to lead the life I want you to have, the world I want us to live in. Yeah. And so, and it's all driven by the sense of um, you know, boiling life down and maybe my theology down to the sense of that we need to live as God's beloved, like getting that right and a lot sure. of stuff about identity sure. in here yeah, right. and the forces that work against that living out as our lives as the beloved and knowing just living in the lavish grace of God. Like so many of us don't get that. Even church people, you know, yeah. We, dumb that down for me. If I don't know what that means, if I live in the lavish grace of God, which sounds so Oswald Chambers of yeah. you, it's beautiful. Oh, well, thanks. I don't know. I, I don't know if I, I know who that is, but I don't, but how does that really. change Hank sitting at a coffee shop in West Hollywood on a Tuesday? So what I'd say, like I'd look across at you, Hank and go, listen, you have probably been, creating a Hank version sure. to avoid the rejection, to avoid the fear, to fit into the model that the world, that LA tells you to fit into, sure. okay? Or pastor or Christian or whatever. Sure. And, and to kind of strip all those identities away. And we actually start living from the core of kind of two truths. Number one, that we're, every single one of us are made in God's image. Like that's pretty cool to think about. Like, it's amazing, yeah. Like, just especially when we feel so shamed and so unworthy and so not enough. Like that's a pretty big idea. Sure. We got a hold of it. And then just the second thing, like whether you believe it or not about yourself, whether you think this about yourself, whether people, your parents said this about you, like you are deeply loved just as you yeah. are. Like there's nothing more that you have to become, nothing more you have to be, you know, sort of um, stuff you have to do. You're just loved. 1000% like this, this yeah, right. nuclear love coming sure. at you. And so like when we feel that and we actually live from that place instead of the place of shame, this place of, I got to do more, yeah. this, this place of fear that I'll be rejected. So there's that life. And I, I've lived from that place. And I talk about that in the book. Like yeah. that's a really horrible place to live. Yep. Um, and it doesn't end well typically, or I can just live from the sense of knowing that, you know, I wake up in the morning and I'm like, Hey, you know what? I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do things. I'm going to try to create good around me. I'm going to try to be a good dad and a husband and, and um, be a good friend. I may mess that up today, but at the end of the day, I'm going to go to put my head back on that pillow and go like, I know I'm loved. Yeah. No right. matter what happens. Today. Sure. Yeah. No matter what my sins are, secrets are, no matter even what my, what my own mind or brain tells me yeah. who I am in terms of my deficiencies. So that's what it means about living as a And I kind of unpack that cool. whole idea. Awesome. And then the second half of it, my theology, so like I, I do have a very simplistic sort of view on faith and Christianity and God. And so it's like living as beloved and then the sense of um, my response to that is to throw what I call prodigal parties. And I talk about that in the book, that our response to being loved and lavishly loved is to respond with celebrating the broken things in each other okay. and welcoming prodigal's home. All right, the, all right. You it, got me suckered okay. in the party thing. So right. what does that mean? So to me... Buddy cheats on his wife. We yes. throw him a party. Yeah. So I it, love that. <laughs> I do. It is. From the standpoint of being like, dude, yeah, homie came clean. Yeah. This dude is is out in the open now and some level of obviously not celebrating his mistake or, 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 or no, something we, we, we're celebra What we celebrate is the fact that you are loved that you yeah, are right. okay. our friend that we love you like and that's a, I, I think that's like one of the biggest problems in our world is like it takes zero talent to call out what's wrong or to be cynical sure about, yeah totally you know like to point like anybody although can i'm do a that. really talented cynic i will point out the wrong things you didn't know yes. were wrong yet I, I i get right to the yes. chase <laughs> it's good that's good but but you're not just a cynic you're, you're right. not just totally you're not negative you're not just like your contribution to this moment is the you know tell me everything that i'm doing wrong totally and so like 
the the idea of the prodigal party just really comes from from the Bible. Yeah, Hello. that's great. Um, and kind of the core message of of what Jesus wanted to describe as time, as the relationship. And so often, like Christians, we get really focused on the brother, or the father, or the prodigal, and we sort of miss this idea of the, the importance the of the party. That's so dope. So, did you in this book? Are you giving? Are you, can you are you breaking it down? Like you're telling everybody to throw a prodigal party. Yeah, and literally, I love that as a takeaway for the people listening to this podcast. You have someone in your life who has severely effed up somewhere in yeah. the last twelve months. It, we got to throw them a party. Totally. I love that. I'm going to do that. I'm, I'm thinking of three or four people yeah. that I that probably feel a little rejected by me. Not, I don't know, probably. Yeah, probably. Or just I, rejected, period. By I, the world, and okay. I, they're projecting that on yeah. me, whatever. But I, where I could just go, hey, we're just going to throw a dinner party. Come on over. Because we're glad you're alive. And literally, that is the outline of, to me, how I want my life to be lived. It's like wow. I'm looking for people who feel, who, who, feel uncelebrated who feel shame who feel broken who feel outcast and i'm going to say you know what we're going to just celebrate you so that's a prodigal party so can i ask you a question about this and this is like well i guess i'm just going to give you like my raw real-time thoughts on this my uh, i i I guess it's a i'm not picking on christianity when i ask this question but i am going from the standpoint of like in the christian space we would describe that uh, people need grace and redemption and all these things. If a person is outside of the Christian space, uh, that is just the way that a person is treated. Does that make sense? Like if I, so if I have a, if I have a side chick, right? Mm-hmm. And I come to you, Mike, and I go, oh my gosh, I got to talk to my wife. I've cheated on her. I've done these things. And it's like, uh, there's all sorts of implications in the Christian community of how then I'm going to be treated, of yeah. a way I'm, whether or not I'm to be trusted, respected, can I ever preach again? Yeah. All these, all these chips start crumbling down. <laughs> yes. If I'm a true. lawyer in West Hollywood and that happens, and I come clean to my wife and my friends, the ex, the fundamental expectation, and maybe I'm giving them too much credit, the fundamental expectation would be, yeah, that happens. This is life. Mm-hmm. Like, do you think there's something internally? inside of the Christian uh, framework right now? I guess this is sort of a question, sort of a statement. Inside the Christian framework that basically says, do it right the first time, and if you mess up, we're never going to let you preach, we're never going to trust you, you'll never lead worship. Even more than that, we're probably going to relate to you differently, like, oh, that's the guy that blank. This is the the lady that got divorced. This is the person who slept with so-and-so. This is the one who had an affair. Whereas, I just don't know where this pretty perfect life framework came from because I look at the scriptures and I can't find a person who ha- who didn't do things that you'd go to jail for. <laughs> right. Does that make sense? Like totally. That Paul is speaking at the Areopagus and I've used this before for the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers and he's speaking in Acts 17 to guys with sexual practices that would put them in jail today mm-hmm. and doesn't talk to them about Hey guys, here's the deal. You you have uh-huh. you have other people like David. You have concubines and you have women and you have infidelities and you have all this crazy stuff. Where did we get this? Hold it together. Repress all of those things in your life. Keep it together. Uh, framework that really requires the work that you do as people of the second yeah. chance. Because for some weird reason, it's not assumed. Of course, I get second and third and fourth and fifth. Yeah, this is we're, we're it's part of the journey. We're perceived as I need a second chance because I blew my first one somehow. Yeah, and so like, where did where did we get to a place in culture where we were told we only had one? Well, does that yeah, make sense? Yeah, like, I, no, I guess I that would be my not to defend what it is you do. I'm going. No. Why do we even need <laughs> to be t- to tell people that there? Yes, you can have a second chance because obviously people have rallied around you. There's people who have been motivated by the ethic that you guys are describing. You're teaching people to forgive, which to me sounds like isn't that sort of the whole point? Yeah, and teaching and people to redeem isn't that the whole thing? Uh, you know, I'm always shocked when when I find out sort of what we're talking about and some of the themes and values that we talk about at Second Chance that they're controversial. Like there's like right. people who would disagree with some of the things that we're talking about. Like uh, there, it's baffling. Like how, I don't even understand that. But to your point, um, the the sense of where did we learn that? How did we? I think um, we get lots of different inputs of like how we learn how to do life. And so for many of us, we grew up in a, maybe a religious context or a church context. Sure, yeah, sort sure. of says, this is what life is supposed to look like. This is how you behave. This is what the do's and the don'ts are. I think some of us grow up in a more uh, cultural context or maybe a fa- familial context that says these are the rules. Sure. But the, I don't care what context you're in. The reality is there are 
there's this sense that we are going to screw it up. And that is the point, to me, that's the point of spirituality. It's the point of like a broken, like I don't look at brokenness as a liability. I don't look at it as a sense of something that I feel shame about or something that I'm supposed to like, that I got wrong. It's something that I have an opportunity now to grow and flourish and learn and wisdom. I think about my own, my own brokenness, my own failures. Like I, I've been, um, you know, I, I, actually, I write about it in, in, in the book, this whole idea of like, I think every decade of my life has had a rock bottom experience, whether it's been a betrayal of a, a really close friend, um, a, a, bankruptcy, a bankruptcy of a business. Um, I was in a boating accident when I was 19 years old where I permanently disfigured a guy with the, um, ran him over in a boat oh, and looked geez. at a, um, you know, a court case, lawsuits, like in dealing with sort of the, all the emotions that... So like, we're, we're not meant to get life perfect. We're not meant to get life like even, like an, I'm not even going for an A on this or right, a B plus. Totally, sure. I'm actually, the only point is that what I do after I experience pain, trauma, loss, failure, like my response to that is what, is the only thing that matters to me. Yeah. And so, so whether you're in the Christian context, you're in the cultural context, it's, it's a sense of, okay, what are you going to take? What, what, the raw materials of your brokenness and what are you going to build from it? And my, my challenge always to people who are inter- engaging with me personally or with people with second chance is like, let's build something really beautiful. That's yeah, the right. point. Right. Like it's kind of two core values of how I approach people and, and even my own story. Um, is I, two things I really believe really strongly is that number one is that only broken things can help make other broken things beautiful again. So it's actually, I need my brokenness. I need my failures and my mistakes and that boating accident. Sure. And, um, you know, that betrayal by a friend and those bankruptcies of my businesses. Like I need that because that actually is going to help me with those people that I bump up against in, in my typical day who are hurting, broken and need hope. The second thing that I say is that just that, um, you know, the the messy parts of our stories are actually our unfair advantage in life. And, mm. and it's the people, again, I want to take people on this journey towards finding that unfair advantage. Sure. And we think, again, we, the, within the church, even in society, like, if it's broken, then it's worthless. If it's busted, if it's messy, if it's ugly, then it needs to be pushed away into the closet and never seen of again. And yet I like to encourage people to lead with that stuff and to integrate that stuff because that actually makes you more whole. Like I know that my my mess ups, my screw ups, and there's been a lot, Hank, like we could spend the whole podcast talking about it and really just yucky stuff. Um, I know that like, it Those, can't be that bad if you're describing it as yucky. I mean, if you don't use profanity. Well, if this you don't is use PG-13, profan- 13, right? <laughs> yeah, that's I true. Mean, if you don't I, use profanity to describe your mess-ups, I feel like, I don't know, could it be that terrible? I actually... You're the guy who's <laughs> used yucky. You're an awesome... I, I can already tell you're like a kind, well, wholesome human. I'm. But here's the thing. I know too. there's typically hazardous listeners. We're we're jacked up. Yeah. But, no idea. But to that point, it's like I think that that it is what it, what has made my heart compassionate. Sure, is what yeah. has grown my heart. Like, I I have this ability because, like, I think about the boating accident, and that was a really, really horrible season of my life. Um, like, when you do something that you just cannot take back, right. something that sure. you totally. would do anything to change, but there's, like, it is just a big, fat turd. Like, yep. I call it, like, your toothpaste is not going back in the tube moments. Yep. And it's, like, you're just stuck with that. Um, I know that there's been unique times moments in my life without the the act that accident where i almost killed a man that allowed me to connect at such a deep heart empathetic level with others who are experiencing those same toothpaste not going back in the yeah, two moments. right totally whereas if i didn't have that there's going to be sort of the superficiality or there's not going to be this yeah, empathetic totally. connection that makes sense that makes sense so really you're 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 inviting the world, and we, I, your book is right here on this table, so we're going to talk about your book here in a second. Oh, yeah. You're inviting okay. the world to step into their brokenness in a vulnerable way as opposed to stashing it. You're inviting people to lean into their brokenness, lean into what, lean into the cracks, because that gives you your, as you describe, your unfair advantage in life. Absolutely. Would that be true? Because really totally. it's a vulnerability conversation. It's, it's leading with 
Yeah, I'm like a really messed up dude, that kind of stuff. Well, and, and I would say also the reverse side of that is the other model that we may follow, the perfection model, the get it right model, the I'm, I'm going to make all the right decisions in my life, I'm going to avoid yeah. all pain and hurt and struggle. That model is absolutely exhausting. Yes, totally. And so, because I actually have tried that model, I've tried the perfectionist and do it right and the religious model or whatever you want, like, I, I couldn't do it. Hmm. I got so frustrated with it. I got I became I didn't I became a horrible version of myself. Yeah. And so I'm like, well, let me try something. <laughs> so like if you're if the people are listening right now, if you're just sort of exhausted and tired and frustrated by sort of this this life of perfection or performance or being measured or like I got to do more to get love, you know, whatever the the kind of the the theology or the belief or value sure. system you're operating from say okay if that's not working for you try the here am i and i'm not sort of um flaunting my dysfunction yeah i'm just saying it's part of who i am i i'm a i would say we are a mashup of like dark and light of i'm a mashup of holiness and depravity and all of it i'm not one or the other it's like I always tell people yeah. that we are we're more like sunsets and sunrises versus, you know, midnight or noonday sun. Yeah, right. And those are the most beautiful times during the day, right? The sure. sunsets. That's what we take our iPhones out and take pictures yeah, of. Yeah, totally. That's the cool stuff. But we sort of miss out on that truth of like, no, I got to be all sun. I got to get it perfect, perfectionistic right. right or all dark where I'm basically I'm kind of living as a victim or my pain is defining my, my story and nobody wants to hang out with those people. Yeah, right. Totally. Okay, so you give me a scenario. There's a person listening right now, and they got a secret, hmm. and they got they're like your buddy. There's somebody listening right now who's got like an affair happening or a pre-affair. Sometimes I call them, where it's like, yeah, some, this. If we were in the if the scenario was right, we'd I'd do something stupid. Hmm. Uh, someone's someone listening has got that scenario. Uh, walk me through what that what that guy listening should do right now. Well, first of all, I would say number one, like it, it's. Um, you're holding the secret because you're afraid. Mm -hmm. You're afraid and at the very core of if somebody knew the secret or knew your thoughts or knew about this relationship that you would be rejected. Sure. That you would no longer be welcomed into certain circles. Totally. Right? Yeah, and let's even broaden that. There's someone listening who has an addiction that they're not Absolutely. telling people about. Someone listening who's got thoughts, self-harm. Those, All those things are happening at once. Walk me through what, yeah, where they should go. Yes. Yeah, so it starts with, like you said, it starts with that belief that, like, if I told them, they wouldn't want me. Yeah. And so, to me, like, the, the, from a spiritual standpoint, the, the enemy of our life and the enemy of our freedom says, like, so hold the secret. Yeah. Stay right. in the secret. You're the only one who has this struggle or this addiction or this sure. affair, or you're the only one who. So, like, that perpetuates greater captivity greater bondage in our lives and so i would just say hey listen i understand why you have the secret you're scared you're afraid and i understand like that's a human being emotion that is right. that's very natural and you know and, I and 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 the scared is not necessarily bad right no if i because my wife frightens me a little <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so if I was like, hey, I got this thing. Yeah. Like, you know, they might be sitting here saying, Mike, you don't understand. If I tell my wife, my boss, my whatever about this drug addiction, this porn addiction, this affair I'm having, this issue I've got going on, this thing that I can feel creeping into mm -hmm. me, this secret that as in, uh, in AA they say all the time, the secrets make you sick. Yes. The secret that's making me sick, but if I tell the truth then my life is going to, I'm going to feel like Mike after the boating accident here. Yeah. You know, like I'm. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. I think that's we go to our worst case scenario of what the next step looks yeah. like if if someone were to know my and secret. your pros and cons. Like, okay, is it worse? Is it better to have this stomach ache I'm living with? It's yeah. it's the it's what it's the scenario right now of the TV show Bloodline. Yes. Okay, if I tell the truth, I'm going to go to jail and ruin things. If I don't, I'm just going to I'm in the prison of my own insides. Right. So, what does a person do that to move to that place of? So here's health. what I here's what I'd say. Number one, um, like when I if I were to bump up with some somebody who was in that that place, number one, I would say you are not alone. I think that's the most important thing, the starting point of all of this. Like secrets need to be shared, right? We the way that we get Cut. freedom is through community by radical acceptance of each Cut. other's Cut. pain, messiness, yep. affairs, addictions. Like okay, so I'm I'm gonna sit with you and say, you know, Hank, 
Um, there's nothing that you could tell me right now that's going to stop us from being friends. This is a safe place. I love you. I care about you. Um, you know, I, I think I understand. I myself have secrets that, that I hold that I'm too ashamed to tell people. And so let's like, let's just sit in sort of this human moment of saying like, Got it. it's not about the thing. Right. Sure. It's about like, let's just connect here and say like, this is normal. Yeah. Okay. Whatever you're experiencing, whatever I might be experiencing is to totally normal whatever brokenness whatever sin whatever you want to call I'm it i'm not trying to be difficult yeah. here but the guy who's driving his car right now who's listening is like i can't get a hold of mike foster yeah so, who, so what, do, what do i do like what well, do i actually do because i think you're yeah. you're moving into what i think is awesome which is you are recruiting compassionate humans around the world totally to have this conversation totally so i wanted you to i want you to get to that point but i want to know what a guy does like right now okay so first off I, and i'll just come back to my own my own life and my own story i'll speak speak from that and I think even seeing literally thousands of stories or thousands of people who have had secrets. Yes. And have shared secrets. Yes. And what their lives and stories look like. So absolutely, like the disclosure of something is um, risky mm -hmm. without question. So I think when we disclose things, depending on what they are and what they, you know, the possible implications... I still, I'm still saying, like, find somebody who's going to walk with you. Because, like, Hank, maybe what I'd say is... Um, you know, when you go tell your wife, maybe that's something that we're doing. We're, we're being strategic about that. We got need it. to talk okay. through that. I'm going okay. to my friend first. Go to a friend. And saying, hey, I got to tell you this. And he's going to punch me in the face and be like, you're an idiot. And then I'm going to say, will you come with me to tell my yeah. wife? Or let's process so this out. So there's a witness start to the murder. <laughs> exactly. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, exactly. There's some of that, yeah. Or maybe there's an intermediate, um, somebody who's helping translate, like, the hype hyped up emotions that yes. may come with this this secret right. maybe it's something that you know like you literally go if it was an affair relationship maybe hey can we start going to marriage counseling i'm gonna actually seek out a professional to help me uh, guide translate through yeah right this um because i don't know what to say i don't know how to do this this is all kind of like this is too much yep. for me okay and it's okay to i love that, that as way. a first step get help get help get someone get a human well, you got to get it here. I mean, a human that's for is, you, not a human that's a victim of oh your gosh, of yes. your secret, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Like somebody who's going to be like your best cheerleader, somebody yeah. who loves you no matter what you might tell them. Cool. And that that's part of the problem too, like in terms of our society is so, so f we don't have many people like that yes. in, our, in our lives who right. are walking alongside of us. Or who want that junk, right? Like yeah. you do get a sense, I think it's a learned thing where everybody's talking about work and what's going on and whatever and everybody's got a lot going on if i was to stop and be like hey man can i talk to you yeah. i've been doing drugs like every morning it, they'd just be like ah you should talk to i think i feel like people generally would say you should talk to somebody about that yes and in la the transition is you should definitely talk to a professional don't you have a life coach or a therapist <laughs> right. we all have right. a few of those like that kind of element and part of that part of that problem the reasons we we have so much resistance to people actually sharing those things with us because we have this belief that it's now our responsibility to fix it yeah right which is an incorrect belief yeah like we are not meant to fix people we're meant to love people we're meant to like come alongside people just to call out the goodness of people the love that the gifts inside of people we're meant to sit with people in their grief and pain i'm not called to fix it yeah right and that's a big that's a big turn for us like it actually becomes a lot more fun oh yeah that's if, so, so great <laughs> if we release ourselves from that because previously you're totally right i mean my my go-to would be uh here are the seven things you need to do you know what i mean like i and my wife gets mad at me about that is she can't she can't complain in our household Without me going, okay, cool. So here's what we're gonna do, or me just going. I just activate. I will do the thing that needs to get done. Yeah. So I appreciate that. So I think I, what I heard you describe is that if there's someone listening, who has what I would consider like a tragic secret, because I feel like secrets are tragic. They, mm -hmm. they just they just feel like it's not like you described. It's not a letting of people into your life, and it and secrets bleed. They yeah. they find their way into other stuff and Absolutely. perpetuate on each other. And lying leads to more lying and. Uh, if you addicts are shaking their head right now as they're listening because they're going, yes, they, you, you lie to use and then you use because you hate yourself for lying and it just keeps going. Yes. I think there's another uh, element to that of that I would ask you, which is if a person has someone in their life that puts their arm around them and says, I got to talk to you, man, I'm, I'm not doing well. Mm -hmm. how, how ought we respond to that person in a way that is uh, people of the second chance-ish? 
Yeah, so I, there's kind of two driving values of how I try to engage okay. all people. Uh, and whether they're, you know, secrets, addictions, whatever the, the sure, thing that sure. is, is not helpful for their life. I, I'd say, number one, radical acceptance. I always start with radical acceptance. Like, if people don't know that they that there's like this this safe place to share the secret yeah like i i i always promise like when i'm telling people like hey man listen i'm so glad you're my friend like nothing you can tell me right now like this is a safe place and again we talked earlier about our our unfair advantage one of the reasons why i think people tell me stuff is because they actually know my own broken story sure yeah like, okay i'm gonna go tell mike because mike's a pretty messed up guy too sure yeah and yeah. <laughs> so like he's not gonna he's not gonna be likely to judge me because yeah. he's actually been in this he's sat he's, here he's done some yucky stuff yeah he's done some yucky stuff yeah. exactly um and so radical acceptance is huge because we don't talk about these things because we don't feel safe. We fear the rejection of others. Right, totally. We want to belong. Like that's core human nature to, to, to be loved and to belong. And we have secrets or we have addictions or we have problems or we have affairs. Like and all the only that thing says I push on is like, what, what happens if that is true? Oh, okay. So this the second part. No, I'm saying what happens yeah. if that, is, that you will be rejected and you will... That, like I'm thinking of like in a Christian, in a very Christian context, <laughs> if you have someone who's closeted gay... If he if he comes out as gay, he w- there will be rejection in his life. Mm-hmm. If you have a guy who, if you have a person who's having an affair or doing drugs, or a person in uh, there's people listening who are in ministry and they're pastors, there will be real life consequences and real life rejection. Yeah. To the sharing of that story. So here's what how I say, do you communicate yeah. to a person? Does that make sense? Like that's where I feel like it's uh, it's muddled in terms of just in and again I think this is a Christian issue because in other parts of the world or in even in a world where people are jewish or people are sort of like mm-hmm. uh open-handed about their religious convictions they kind of go yeah yeah totally we're all jacked up messed up you know you can find yeah. so many of those worlds they i think those people drawn to like a tony robbins who is like yes. that's gonna make you that's your next edge you know like it's yes. just you're just going okay yes. uh forget the human shrapnel piece like he deals with that in a very powerful way but at the same time how would what would you, how would you prepare a person for the rejection that is actually, if someone came to me and they were like, hey, I'm dealing with this thing, I'd be like, there's gonna be, there's gonna be an avalanche on top of you. Yeah, you're well, gonna have to know that that's coming. Is that the wrong go-to? No, no, I think My that's actually really. Like, Man, the whole world is gonna go to hell for you. For for on the other side of that, it's yeah. gonna be awesome. But if you thought the secret was bad, <laughs> wait till. You tell the truth. Well, first of all, like on a big like missional standpoint, I'm trying to actually create a world that where we can have these conversations without judgment and sure. without condemnation, without shame. Um, I would say like to that individual, yes, there are probably going to be people where you're going to find out what you're going to define the relationship <laughs> in that friendship. Sure, yeah. You're going to define kind of what what this whole thing looks like, which is scary, but it's also incredibly liberating. Yeah, like, totally. Because it, it, pain, secrets, trauma brings can bring like laser focused clarity to priorities, relationships, all of it. Like what, what kind of marriage do I really have? Yeah, right. Okay. Sure. It's going to be tested in that moment when I say I've I've had this this relationship with someone else or I've been doing this, yeah. you know, at midnight looking at this or whatever it might be or connecting. That's where and, and to me, like, that's the truth, like moving into truth. I cannot sort of mitigate the, the ripple effects of truth. Yep. But I can also promise you that when when we bring things into the light. That's the only th- way things can truly, we can truly experience freedom yeah. and we can really experience the wholeness and really the life that ultimately we really do want. So truth is going to be is going to have ramifications, but, and and there's no, like, there's no, you get your cake and eat it too kind of thing. And the cherry on top, it's like, there is downsides, there's consequences, but I, I mean, my outlook on life and my outlook on our stories and my outlook on honesty has always been like the upside so way much better. Sure. Yeah, totally. Like if you, those ledgers are not even comparable. Yeah, no, I love that. And I really, I I think I appreciate how you've, I think if, if I'm, if I'm listening and I have a secret, I gotta find an advocate somewhere. 
yes. whether it's a counselor, a professional, a friend, wherever, before I address the secret. Yeah. If I'm listening and I have a person who, in my life, who comes to me with their secret, I got to affirm them that I'm their advocate, no matter what, yep. what they're going to share, how they're going to share it, assuming. Obviously, that I'm not the victim of their... If they're yeah. sleeping with my wife, I'm no longer their advocate. Yeah, that's, that's be probably problem. not a good... If um, they stole money from me, I'm probably not their advocate. But yeah. there's going to be a moment... There's a moment for them to tell me that. Sure. With their advocate. But I, I, how I respond is to let them know I'm for them, regardless of what they share. And that's the... And so so there's, there's the advocate piece, the radical acceptance piece. Yep. And then the second half of that, the other value of when we're... And, and this is with, I think, any situation that someone might be in is what I call being becoming a cheerleader of personal responsibility and ownership. Nice. So, so it's like you're met with love and then I'm going to meet you with a sense of, okay, this is still your mess to clean up. I don't, I don't need to repair I, it. Like I cannot said. fix you. Yeah. Right. But, but I am going to like get out my little pom poms right now and be a cheerleader of you. And I, I, I define ownership as making a choice to be committed to an outcome. Yeah. Right. Okay? So I'm going to help you define like, what is that outcome that you want for your life or for your marriage or for your future? Like, what does that look like? Yep. What do you want? What do you want for your family? Okay. And maybe the thing that you're doing right now or that secret is preventing that outcome. And then I'm going to say, hey, Hank, are you willing to make that choice? Are you really be being committed to doing the, the real work of getting to that outcome? Because yeah. if you're not, then I, there's nothing I can do to actually compel you to do that or force yeah, you to that's do great. that. That's great. But, and so none of that is fixing. None of that's like just sort of, Yeah, I'm, just, hey, I'm pushing you deeper into the whole of personal responsibility, which is what coming out of this with the secret absolutely began with then tell me so the i would say those are th these are three categories in my mind one category is i have a secret two mm -hmm. is someone comes to me with a secret three is i know someone in my life who's got some bad stuff going on <laughs> do yes. you what do i do to put my yeah. arm around that douchebag and tell him it's yeah. time to stop uh, fiddling with the princess when you have a wife at home does that make sense yeah. like how how do yeah. i how do we get that figured out I'm, I'm is there, or do you even train people or do you, well, you might even say, dude, get out of people's business. Like you wait till the, <laughs> let that implode on themselves. Is that my need to control? But I tend to be the person who goes, what, what are you thinking? I'm, I'll, yeah. I'll be the first one to be like, you flirt with his girlfriend and you need to stop. Like yeah. I'm that friend, right? Yeah. So tell me, is and there. we do need those friends, by the way. That, that's really like. Well, you may not want me to be saying that to you, but you definitely want me yeah. watching out for your girlfriend. Being yeah. like, you need to cut that out, man. I don't, I feel uncomfortable by that. You and know? I think what you're describing there is the, the ownership. The per, you're encouraging personal responsibility and ownership. It's like, hey, Joe, um, you, you say you want this in your life. You say you want this for your kids. You say you want this for, for your relationship with God. And yet you're doing this. Like these, these are disconnected. So you're, you're being a cheerleader of ownership. It's saying like, hey, Joe, make a choice. Here. Yeah, right. Okay. Like, right. Don't, don't sort of play the game here and say, well, I want this. But do you advise that. people to do that? I mean, would you say, Hank, cool it? Or would you say like, yeah, man. It's such a, okay, so what I say. If there's things that I see or I feel or yeah. I hear, and like as a pastor for years, and you would know this and what you do too, I can literally smell trouble. Yeah. And I can meet somebody and go, oh, shoot. Uh -huh. And know things you don't know because you just, you recognize that thing that is happening. Do you just let it play out and you just turn a blind eye to it or do you jump in? No. So um, I think within the church, we've used words like truth and grace a lot, or sure. maybe in society we use the words like tough love. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I don't like either of those concepts. And I actually, this is why I've the, like the new language because tough you don't love, like the, you don't like the phrase tough love. I, I, I don't like the phrase tough love because it, to me, it's an oxymoron. It's like, you know, jumbo shrimp or thunderous sure. silence, like tough and love. And both those two, things exist. Two so. words. I know, but they're two <laughs> words that don't really make sense together. Okay. Okay. So what I say is that's why I'm like, it's radical acceptance. It's personal responsibility. Okay. And instead of me trying to try and to balance like how much truth, how much grace, how much tough, how much love, what I say is a thousand percent radical acceptance, a thousand percent, to, you know, personal responsibility. Yeah. Right. And so like you're bringing both to the table. So Hank, you instead may of pulling back and going, no, this is your time to get truth. And then leaning forward like a right. hurt and rescue or trying to like, it's like what's the recipe for it like yeah, i don't know right. i just know like here's what i'd say is all in with love all in with personal responsibility so you can't come to your friend and just say like i'm just going to call it out i'm going to tell you what you're doing wrong you're a big fat jerk for doing this like that's not 
the formula. Yeah, right. You may be naturally more inclined that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. If you were going to guess, Mike, yeah. is that what you're? Is that that's what you think? And, huh? and, and, and so this is like this is where all of us can sort of improve in saying, okay, I may like lean more towards maybe I'm a bleeding right. heart, quote unquote, bleeding sure. heart. I'm just all compassion. I'm all just it's all group hug. Let's just you know huddle There's up not here. Not a lot of people saying that about me. Well, no. So I, <laughs> you're on you're on the the, on the, the other the, side of personal doing? responsibility. Yeah. Like right. let's let's make a choice to be committed to an outcome for a free life, a good life, a healthy marriage, all the things that you say you want. Yeah, right. That's you. But we need both in a in in full dosage. Yeah, right. Not sort of, well, let me figure out how much tough, how much love, how much truth, how much grace. Like that to me is too too mysterious, like what the mixture is there. Okay, great. With our remaining time together, I want to ask you a few questions about yeah. some celebrities, some public people, and then I want to ask you about like pastor things, you know, okay. like church stuff. Yeah. So if you're not if you're not used to church things and you're listening, you'll be like, what is the deal? And then if you have been to church, you'll be like, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, Mel Gibson. Uh, like commentary on Mel Gibson? Yeah, what do we do about Mel Gibson? It, it, yeah. it, to me, that's such a tragedy. It's so sad. Yeah. That he does a, you know, a series of stupid things in a row. And uh, I believe it was... Um, who said that he's hugged the cactus long Robert enough? Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. had that very insanely moving speech. And if you're listening, you've got to... You know what we're going to do is right now, uh, uh, we're going to play that uh, speech for you. Nice. So he's going to play that speech for you right now. And you can hear what Robert Downey Jr. said about Mel Gibson. Go. Actually, I asked Mel to present uh, this award to me for a reason. Because when I couldn't get sober, he told me not to give up hope and he urged me to find my faith. Didn't have to be his or anyone else's as long as it was rooted in forgiveness. And I couldn't get hired, so he cast me in the lead of a movie that was actually developed for him, and he kept a roof over my head, and he kept food on the table. And most importantly, he said that if I accepted responsibility for my wrongdoings, and if I embraced that part of my soul that was ugly, uh, hugging the cactus, he calls it. He said that if I hugged the cactus long enough, I'd become a man of some humility and that my life would take on a new meaning. And I did, and it worked. Um, all he asked in return was that uh, someday I help the next guy in some small way. Uh, it's reasonable to assume that at the time he didn't imagine the next guy would be him. <laughs> or that someday was tonight. <laughs> so anyway, on this special occasion, and in light of the recent holidays, including Columbus Day, I humbly ask that you join me, unless you are completely without sin, in which case you picked the wrong industry. <laughs> in forgiving my friend his trespasses, offering him the same clean slate you have me, and allowing him to continue his great and ongoing contribution to our collective art without shame. He's hugged the cactus long enough. So isn't that powerful? Like what he, yes. sh how he shares and what he describes. What do you do about the Mel Gibson? I feel like there's Mel Gibsons in our lives, and I mean that not by people who have just made mistakes or need a second chance, but people where their reputation has now, or they've become the butt of a joke, or they've their reputation is now so overshadowed. Yeah. By that, uh, what do you do to 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 drive forward for that? So like in in an exact Mel Gibson, what what, what do you? If you're listening, Mel's a listener. Yeah. If you Mel's listening, what do you tell Mel to do? Well, well, I'd say, number one, it, it, it's incredibly unfair of how we treat each other in terms of letting our lives, our whole stories, our whole Hollywood brand be defined by our worst moments. Sure, okay? sure. And so none of us want to be defined by our worst moments. And so I always think, like, when we get in sort of on our high horse and start judging the Mel Gibsons of the world and start pointing our fingers yeah, right. and, like, that's a great time for personal reflection upon our own story. You got me, Mike. Okay. That's good. Yeah, that's, I did I, not think that's... You're right. You're right. That's a great time to pay attention to the stuff people know about and stuff people don't. Because it's not... A, honestly, it's not about Mel. Yeah, right. It's about it's about the condition of my own heart. Sure. And and that's why I think, for me, I look at somebody like Mel and I go, wow, you know what? I, I've probably said racist things before. 
I have been out of control with my anger before. Sure, yeah. I have been... Alec Baldwin style. Like yeah, Alec I have Baldwin been... Um, I have probably drank too much and said things I shouldn't have said before. Sure. That And that's the personal reflection. And that, when we go to that place, we actually are growing. Yeah. We are expanding our heart, expanding our life. Versus, I think when we go to a place of judgment or condemnation or pointing our finger, our heart, our world, our life gets smaller. Yeah. It contracts. Sure. sure. No, that's good. That's great. So then what would you say to about, uh, uh, there's a pastor somewhere listening who was a pastor, lost his church because he slept with the secretary or whatever. Yeah. Or you got a person who just totally screwed up. That story is never, I, that, this is totally hypothetical, right? Hank? No, I know. It's happens. like, the, uh, the one, I had a mentor once, and I'm going to give it as general as possible. I had a mentor once uh, who was my boss, and he was the pastor of this church. And uh, he was sleeping with, like, I want to say somewhere between 10 and 20 women in the church simultaneously. Huh. Uh, not sure how he was navigating the logistics of that. Sounds it, very complicated. That sounds like a very full-time job. <laughs> it sounds like a West Hollywood playboy. But uh, I would say that happens. It sort of melts down. Uh-huh. Guy's life just goes to a total mess. Uh, about six months later, he wants to start a church. Uh-huh. Do yeah. you go, yeah, man, second chance, fire that thing up. <laughs> and a lot of people are for him, and the people who are like, I don't know, man, that sounds like you got to kind of deal uh, with some stuff. Yeah. At what level, A, do you think that guy gets to start his church in that six-month window? Yeah. Or B, does he ever get to? Or is it sort of like, hey, this is sort of not in the cards for you anymore. You've Mel Gibson to yeah. yourself. And, Mel and, and you, you got to yeah. take a deep breath and go, hey, that's probably not how people are going to perceive me anymore. Yeah. And, I, I again, I would st- say to that guy is um, uh, I'd, I'd say, again, we're, we're lacking some imagination and creativity about our life and our future and our vocation. And I, I don't think that's any, a great way of saying I you mean, should do something else. Well, right? it is, it, and yeah. it's, it, and I would say, and not in the sense of saying because you're you're forever stigmatized or labeled sure. as like a cheater or pastor who you know had eleven affairs. What I would say is probably that context for you at some level was misaligned. Yeah. Right. And wasn't bringing you the joy and the happiness. In fact, it's probably bringing a lot of stress and anxiety. Or something, right? Something, something was something that going sideways. That's a me great to way to look at it. Into inappropriate yeah. relationships. Okay? That's a great way to look at it. But even like Jay Baker's dad. Uh, what was his yeah. name? Uh, Jim. Jim. So Jim has a 15-minute affair, goes to jail for some financial things that I don't, I don't know if he did or did not do. I forget how it plays out. And everybody bails on Jim. Yeah. Do you... Do you What's the second chance for a guy like Jim? Yeah. Or, or is that part of the shrapnel, right? Is that part of the thing? Like a guy like Jim Baker goes, man, can I recover from this? Or do I, do I pull a Howard Dean, mad cow? Do, I go mad cow on a stage once, and I can kind of never be taken seriously again. Yeah. Um, this is so, like we literally could talk about this for an hour. I know. So many, like, and I, there's so many examples, right? Yeah. And I just go, for you're the people of the second chance guy. And I'm looking at it going, what do you say to that guy? Is it creative vocationals and going, you know what? That's part of it is the yeah. world used to look at me and I used to be a big deal. But uh, so now, me, now that's not really one. in the cards for me anymore. Let me give you a real one. Uh, someone that, who's actually a friend and who I've, I've um, talked to about this and Ted Haggard, uh, who Ted, yeah, yeah, um, was a pastor. Of I watched his church. documentary yeah. on HBO. Yeah. yeah, amazing documentary, by the way. And so he's start, he he started a church maybe a year after the the whole scandal, and he okay. meets in a barn, and, and it was I, I don't know in terms of what he where he meets now, but kind of got back into ministry. And I think you know one of the things I appreciate about Ted, and I would never say Ted like no no you're disqualified, you can't do sure, this. Sure. I'm going to shut this down. I'm going to be against something. Right, like right. I, I hate being against things. I'm like I'm for people, and so um, like the thing that I loved about Ted was that. He's been completely exposed. Everybody knows. Yeah, right. And he's using his story of scandal as a as a as an avenue or an on-ramp to talk about the things of God. Got it. Okay? Now this is not going to be everybody's cup of sure, tea. Sure, yeah, totally. And I, I promise you it's probably not going to look like the church that he was at I forget the, the name of the mega church yeah, that right. he was leading. And it's a very different look and feel of it. But can a Ted still help people connect to a loving God. I totally believe that. Yeah. Right. And so like we got it, we got to trust God with the process. We got to trust God with how he's going to do the work. I think we do want to always be with people and say, Hey, listen, like, is this a lack of creativity? Is this a lack of imagination for 
the, the things that are truly like the desires and passions of your heart? Like, do you have to be a senior pastor at a mega church? Right. That's the sure, only option totally. Those here? are the only futures. Yeah, <laughs> like, totally. No. Yeah, and that's a lot of that wound up I- ideas. Hey, yeah, for me, I I lean on the other side and I, or, you know, with kind of where you are and go, where did we get it in our minds that the people who led were going to be sterling? <laughs> yeah sterling lives like the more you create this narrative that you can never have screwed up the more all these guys will keep secrets and you'll have pastors totally that are screwing up quietly and destroying themselves and their families and lives by trying to keep stuff rather than just being like dude people mess up every single person in this room has a like i just that's i think another one another little bone i have to pick with us when i say christianity i'm talking about us when i like uh, father richard Rohr says you don't get to criticize a thing from the outside or it's not genuine you can only criticize it from the inside so i'm criticizing saying where did this perfect leader framework come from i remember a friend of mine uh about two and a half years ago uh called and literally i picked up my cell phone and uh, he's just like literally weeping and sobbing. I literally could not get words out Jeez. across the phone. And in the first words that he was able to sort of gather together, he just said, you know, Mike, I, I effed up. Huh. And um, I'm going to assume this is a PG-13 podcast. Yeah, although not if you listen to our pastor, poet, and rabbi has a little explicit tag on okay. it. So you'll All have right. to listen to that episode. So, but but he he used the real F word and it wasn't fine or the word fart it yeah. was it was the other word uh, and and literally just like two hours listening and processing and grieving with him and I think there's a lot of shame that he had been involved in a kind of a, a inappropriate relationship uh, he was he's married guy family guy in ministry and so those are the Jeez. I think it's like but Hank for me. I think that's where all of us need to be like in those spaces. And so like, I, I look at those times as like the greatest gifts yeah, right. in the world, because um, the beauty of those moments is that I actually also get to see the other side of that, that season is where I see a man who restored his marriage, put things back together, did the hard work and, and now is sort of stepping into this whole beautiful new um, story. Yeah. And so sure. like, it, it, it's both. And it's like, we have to like deal with the wacky, crazy, yeah. hard tears, sobbing moments with our, our friends and even our own pain and hurt. Well, and I love that. It, it, that resonates with what you've described, which is that you love the truth, tell them the truth yes. no matter what. And really a guy who's, who's sleeping with it as assistant or a college girl is coming to the truth and yeah. some finally telling the truth when it breaks him, right? Like yes. when it when it hits him hard. Well, so it makes sense that you move towards those moments as opposed to moving away. Like, geez, yeah. I don't want your drama. It's like, no, finally this guy's telling the truth as opposed to, you know, li- kind of living in that in between or living that lie. Absolutely, because I, I think th- those are the those are the moments where I'm like, okay, we can do something with this. For we sure. we are gonna. This is an opportunity for growth and breakthrough that we've never experienced before because we've been so busy faking, lying, yep, pretending, sure. trying to be something that we're not. And honestly, like those those rock bottom moments, which I am, am welcomed into in a lot of people's lives, uh, you know, I would say that like the, the powerlessness of those moments, like when, a per- when we come to the end of ourselves, there's sort of this sense of like, okay, now we can truly begin to build something yeah. really beautiful. Now. Sure, totally. Which is why I love your work, and I'm so excited that people are going to get a chance to read your book and really get the Magna Carta of the people of the Second mm-hmm. Chance, which is how this feels with the flag and yes. everything. It's a, ma- it's a manifesto. I call it it's a manifesto for prodigals, hopesters, and second chancers. It's amazing. So. Yeah, I love your work, Mike. I love your ethic, and I love, like, you are truly, like, a kind wonderful person I, could, I was trying to poke holes in you this whole <laughs> podcast and I, there's just no there's no holes in here this oh, guy there's, is plenty, there's plenty of holes like I mean that, and that that's the thing that I want to be like let's be honest with we all got our crap yeah but see you're, you're doing it right now you know what I'm saying you you have there's no holes because you're just you're a man of holes and you're just yeah you're just so true. kind and so there's nowhere uh, I should say there's no like hard spots you're just sort of going no, like I'm, I'm just as you are a living, breathing example of the message that you carry. Yeah. And I'm really grateful for that. And when I uh, need another second chance, 
uh, you're going to be my 911 emergency call. call. So, yeah, and I, I just hope that I get to throw prodigal party after prodigal party. That I, you've inspired me, and I'm really excited to do that. Well, thanks, Hank. This has been fun. Awesome. It's gone by way too fast. <laughs> yeah, totally. And uh, I'm just, I, I love what you're doing. I love what you're about and what you're putting out into the world. And I think we just. If we, the more we can stir up hope and love and, and just understanding of each other, the better, better the world will be and the better our lives cool. will be. Awesome. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Hank. Yeah, we'll see you soon. Blessings. Yeah. Hey, guys. Well, thank you so much for being a part of this. I hope you enjoyed the conversation that I had with Mr. Mike Foster. I love this guy. He's like, it's not even real how healthy he is and how like amazing he is. And I hope you, you heard me like I'm poking holes in this guy, trying to find something about him that isn't real or trying to find some weak spots and I'm, I'm coming up empty. What an amazing guy and what a cool thing to be a part of. Hey, if you want to join us online, you can text 66866, text the name Hank to 66866. And you'll be on our email list, which will give you information about things that are happening, updates, links, all sorts of cool stuff. Um, you can go ahead and do that. And then also, I uh, want to remind you that August 8th at the Bootleg Theater in Los Angeles, 8 8 at 8 o'clock, we are gathering together for a live recording. We'd love to have you there. Have a great day, and may you go and live a typically hazardous life.